Nice sound yeah. effects. You should be a fo- you should be a foley artist. Yeah, I was about to do the whole uh, spiel from Ace Ventura, where he's like inside the tank. He's like, Captain's log, starring twenty three thousand miles to the nearest decimal point. We're uh, traveling back in time to save an ancient species from a near annihilation. So far, and yeah, yeah I was gonna do the whole thing, but you know, <laughs> yeah, when he's just being William Shatner. In yeah, Star yeah, Trek? yeah, he's doing Star Trek. He picking up the you know uh, the phone. It wasn't a phone. Yeah, yeah, the the whatever the they call it. Yeah, yeah. But hey, we're back on another episode of the Cinema Discovery Project. I'm Stephen Billings, and with me, as always, is uh, my co-commander. Uh, since I was just talking about Star Trek, um, I know Andrew Cabral. What's up? Yes, I'm back once again. Um, doing well, doing well. It is, it is almost fall. It's almost that time of year for our my favorite time festivities of year. to start. It is a lot of people's favorite time of year, which I wasn't aware of until very recently. What's your favorite time of the year? I like summer. <sighs> I like summer. Think I know. I I had the same discussion last night with someone where I'm like, I like summer because the sun is out, the days are longer. And there's so much brightness and hope and optimism. For some reason, I go through that like seasonal depression where during the fall and winter, it starts getting colder and darker quicker, and I just don't want to but do you anything because it's too damn cold. But you don't go outside anyway. But I'd like to have the option of doing it without freezing my ass off. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, you stay in your basement and watch movies all the time. What are you talking about? I know. <laughs> Grant, yeah, it's not like I'm going to change up my routine and not, you know, not watch movies. But at least yeah. it, at least the optimism or the option is still there. Sure, sure, sure. Whereas sure. the winter, it's just like, just curl me up and just let me watch, you know, well, it, I mean, movies. It, look... Halloween time, I mean, at least right. for me, in our where I'm from, North Carolina, it doesn't really get cold yet. So it, it'll be in the 70s at least during Halloween. Yeah, mine, mine is the opposite because I'm in the Northeast, yeah. which is like kind of like spooky central when it comes to Halloween festivities. Like they take it very seriously yeah. up here in, in some parts because they have that old... Because it's an, it's an old world place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah the mean? first settlements up there. Yeah, the first settlements are up here. You know, Salem is up here. The witch trials. Yeah. There's all kind of haunted places where people like to go and like hope they like hope they see like a ghost or sure. something. Um, Halloween up here is 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 much more serious. Well, I mean, than I, the, in other places. Well, I mean, I you're you're closer than me to the guy we're talking about today, because the guy we're talking yeah. about today is from Maine, and um, right. we're talking about the uh, they call him either the what the master of mystery or the you know what's the other one they call him the the master of it's not the it's not the master of suspense no 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 That's master of Ma- master of mystery is one of mm. his his nicknames what's the other main one this the, the something of scare I don't know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. sultan of sultan Sling. of swat the king of crash <laughs> the colossus of Cla- what babe ruth the great bambino the, yeah. yeah i know no but we're talking the about ba- uh, very yeah. popular um horror sci-fi writer sometimes dramatic work writer um stephen king uh he's got my name so he's already cool um but he spells it differently. he spells it the wrong way but i'm not going to blame that on him so but stephen king not a film not really necessarily a you know a filmmaker or you know but he is very involved in film he has made films though um as you as we well he's made a a film 
Uh, he's made one film, Maximum Overdrive, which we will discuss yeah. a little bit later on. But he's not, you know, he's not part of the film world proper. You know, he's not a producer or a screenplay writer per se. But what is interesting about him and about other authors like him, you know, big, big time, you know, well-known authors, is that their works have been adapted um, a lot, uh, him, where, or him, even numerous. I'll times. say him more than anybody. He's got the most adaptations. I want to say he's got what at least like seventy it's, or something it's a lot. like that. It's it's a lot, and that's lot. just and that maybe just movies. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, it could be movies. It could be more. It could be over a hundred with TV shows. Yeah, his work has been adapted into both films as well as television, TV movies, TV miniseries, television series. They've been and some of his work has been readapted oh, yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Where, where you get a movie, then you get like a crappy sequel <laughs> that has nothing to do with the book that it was adapted from at all, or you get like a TV like movie version of yeah. a remake or something like that. Like his stuff's like constantly going back to, like they keep going back to that. Well, well the branding where he, he, the Stephen yeah, King the brand, brand is, is, is pretty strong. I mean, I would say he went away for a good 10 or 15 years. And then like recently in the last few years, his brand has gotten revived. Well, it's interesting. There's like, there's, there's a gap when it comes to just movie adaptations from like 2009 to 2013, where there's nothing. Yeah. There's like a four-year gap there, and in that time, there was like, like, like not like nothing great. There's been, there was like a couple of, uh, like TV-related stuff, uh, like Haven, Bag of Bones, uh, like, and then 2013 they had that Under the Dome series, yeah. um. But in that in that gap there, but we're gonna go through these like rather well, well, chronologically. But I'll just say like he's been like they go back and then they leave him and they go back and they leave him. But right now I've been telling Stephen for like I don't know two years now since we've been talking is that there's like a Stephen King renaissance. Well, I mean right I think now. that it coincides with just horror renaissance. I think the horror genre mm, yeah. has definitely resurged in the Helped. last couple of years, and with that. Um, we've gotten a resurgence of Stephen King and getting re-ad- re- mostly readaptations, um, right. and and some readaptations, some new adaptations, some new and some and and I would say it's maybe half and half with being better than the originals. I think that this it it adapt- adaptation is probably better than the original. Oh yeah. Um, oh, I would say so. Not only that, but I mean, like they're taking his material more serious yeah. now. I think in terms of giving it the budget giving it the talent yeah. behind it that they just didn't do before because you know contextually you know things are way different now in the movie sphere than they were sure. 20 30 40 years ago when you know these things were starting to be adapted so i think like that's a good way to segue into like the beginning of his adaptations oh yeah for those yeah i i don't think we have to really give someone a background about Stephen no, I mean, King. No, we could talk about a little bit of his background, like a where he's from. Bit, I mean, he's from... Yeah, where he's from. He's from Maine, uh, Portland, Maine. Yeah, yeah. he he was born here, like he moved to a couple of other places, then moved back here at a young age and pretty much has lived here ever since. He loves, he loves the why, small town atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, he does. And not only that, but he likes like small town New England specifically. Yeah. That's where a lot of his stuff well, is he's a set. He's a Boston Red Sox fan. Huge. Well, yeah, he is, <laughs> being from Maine. But he, yeah, I think he's written a book on the Red Sox. Well, yeah, he well. did something that was influenced. I can't remember what it's called, but it's very influenced right. by the Red Sox, yeah. And he, um, he, he likes that small town mentality, and he likes the kind of 
uniqueness of it where like everything is localized everything is like culturally unique to that small town mentality and up here there's a lot of that going around (laughs) there really is especially in like the more you know rural areas or the more you know the smaller the town the farther away you are from like an an urban metropolitan type place far as things are just different as far as you can get away from a walmart (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, aren't they everywhere? I They're guess? Ba- that's what I'm saying. It's almost impossible. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're pretty much everywhere. But he likes that mentality, and he takes that. He takes that world and really puts a lot of horror and spookiness and weird stuff in it, and kind of capitalizes on that. And he does that repetitively. He also makes a lot of work that I think center around children yeah. and the plight of like young protagonist and them having to deal with you know things that you know they probably shouldn't be dealing with that yeah dealing with adversity fighting supernatural it's clowns, part of the reason you know what yeah I mean? he talks about it's part of the reason he loves harry potter he's a big fan of the harry potter mm. series and he said he loves Makes it because sense. of that that you know young person dealing with the, you know, going against adversity trying to do the right thing no matter how bad it, how hard it is, and you know, but he hates Twilight apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's a different type of discussion altogether. But it's kind of like you know that coming of age story, um, or like the small, like, uh, like a small character having to do big things. You know, that goes back to to a lot of fantasy realm. I think. I mean, that goes back to J.R.R. Tolkien, where you know the hobbits are literally the smallest creatures, and they have to do the biggest thing in saving the world. Yeah. You know, playing a big role in that, and, you know, starting from a small place, ending up in a big place. You know, a lot of those things happen. But he's he's written some nonfiction stuff. He's written a lot of short stories. Oh, yeah. I read. I I was look, doing some research, and he, apparently he's written like two hundred short stories. Yeah, and that's that's a lot. He writes very frequently. Mm-hmm. Like he will publish multiple books a year. Like you will you will think like he never stops writing. That's my assumption. He just kind of writes all the time. He never stops. Um, uh, where he got his start was doing short stories. Yeah. He got his start, I think, writing when he was a young kid, writing in high school, writing in college. Um, he went to the University of Maine, no big shocker there. I think he graduated around 1970. So he's he's been writing pretty much, I think, since 1967 is when like his official like short stories were published in magazines. Yeah. And that's where he's kind of started. A lot of his horror background, if anyone's interested, I think comes from uh, him reading uh, the old EC comics, specifically uh, like Tales from the Crypt, things like that. That's where he got a lot of his influence from. I remember I just recently finished reading Salem's Lot for the first time, and he did an intro to that book where he talks about his influence of like being exposed to horror at such a young age through EC comics, through like you know through movies and things yeah. like that and he was able to kind of take that and you know pick out the things that he liked and apply them to his stories yeah um because the salem's lot the the vampire in salem's lot is a lot like dracula yeah. nosferatu things like that like it mirrors that um very much so and he's been in a you know an acclaimed writer for decades where he's won countless amounts of awards and all kinds of stuff he's probably one of the most well-known authors oh yeah i would say living authors one of the all time i mean but um some people think that the one of his influences on on his career he has never really confirmed it but apparently when he was very young um 
he witnessed his best friend killed you know by a, tr- hit by a train, by a train. And so apparently it was so traumatizing to him that he cannot even recall really recall it. What yeah. ha- recall what happened, including I was also reading that he didn't even include it in an autobiography yeah. that he wrote or a biography that was written about him or something like that. And he. Yeah, so that definitely influenced him as well. But I guess that's a good foundation. Yeah, I mean, if you don't know Stephen King, I mean, you probably should. I'm actually just starting to read Stephen King now. Yeah. I didn't grow up reading him like a lot of other people did, so I'm just starting to get into his work. I've, now. I've read a couple books and I've like gotten about halfway through it, but it is just so long, man. I, I, I tried, oh, I tried. <laughs> I, I tell you, um, Salem's Lot was like six hundred and something pages, and there's a lot of stuff in there that's just not fluff, but like he really likes to take his time in detailing yeah. and creating a tapestry of the world that he is putting his stories in. Yeah. Like, he really wants to make it as rich and involved yeah. as possible to the point where you're, like, you're getting, like, his, history backstories about, like, the family of, like, side characters yeah. that you don't really give a shit about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And I'm like, that's interesting, and it's fascinating that you're creating that, but I really want to see what's going on with this vampire who's in Yeah, and the It book, yeah. it book's, like, over a thousand pages, I think. Oh yeah. yeah, it's gigantic. It's huge. That and the stand yeah. are very large books. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess what we'll probably be yeah. doing is we'll kind of be hitting, kind of hitting his main adaptations. We're not going to hit every right. adaptation. We're going to hit most of the popular ones. I want, I want to at least mention them. But to be honest, I don't. I know Stephen and Stephen and I have not seen all. We of We haven't them, seen so we everything. Really comment so. on the quality of all of them. We've seen probably all the main ones. We've seen I most of the seen main all ones. All the yeah. well known. I was kind of tallying up all the ones I've seen and I've seen way more than I thought I did Yeah. just because they're just so part of just the lexicon of movie watching that you just accidentally ha- end up watching them Yeah. because they're so they're, they're, they're there and they're so well known but let's start off here with actually his first ever movie adaptation that came in the 1970s 1976 and that is Carrie yeah. which is also his first published novel yes and I say published because he actually had written a couple of novels beforehand, but Carrie was the first one to be, you know, officially it was it was really his it was his breakout book. It was his breakout book. Yes, I've read it. And it's it's very good, and the movie is very similar. And it was directed um, by what Brian De Palma. Brian De Palma, who is who 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 is well known for actually probably for making this movie as also a breakout movie for him as well. Yeah, because at the time he was doing movies, but n- not quite mainstream hits like this like i think before this he had done a couple of he might have done sister i think he did sisters he had done sisters yeah. beforehand with margot kidder i mean he brian de palma for me is basically someone who is just making hitchcock movies yeah the way he wants to make hitchcock movies like that's what, at least his early career is very much like yeah. that uh like dressed to kill is very very much like hitchcock but carrie is of course well known for uh just in like you know, pop culture, people know what Carrie is. Yeah. You know, and people always know Sissy Spacek, you know, at, you know, the, the pig's blood at the prom and all that kind of stuff. Her her having these, uh, uh, what are the telekinesis powers and whatnot. I think it's called telekinesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She can, like, move things with her mind. Um, she has an oppressive mother portrayed by Piper. A, a religious zealot. Religious, religious zealot. Yeah, yeah. This woman's insane. Yeah, yeah. She's absolutely insane and oppressive as all. And I, guess, and I guess in a way that we can cover more ground is we could we could also talk about the fact that they remade this movie. They did remake yeah. this movie. Yeah, I, you know, that's, that's, that's a good thing to kind of cut down time. They remade this movie not 
once, but twice. Yeah. <laughs> there was a TV movie that came out in 2002 when I was like a freshman yeah. in college. I remember seeing um, uh, like TV promos for because it was on NBC. Yeah. Of all places, it was on NBC. I never watched it, so I can't really comment on it. But I did watch the 2013 Carrie remake, directed by Kimberly Pierce, starring Julianne Moore and uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. Yes. And I actually really like it. Yeah, it's not bad. I, I'm it, one of the few people who really like it because it's not a remake. It's a readaptation. Yeah. People don't uh, don't get that. You know what I mean? People kind of, oh, they're remaking Carrie. What are they doing? And I'm like... It's a it's it's a readaptation of the book. It looks the sa- similar things similar things happen because you're just kind of telling the same story again. You yeah, I mean, I mean it very it very much follows the original story pretty closely. But uh, yeah, Carrie is a very short. It's book. it's Carrie pretty like it's pretty straightforward. Pages. Yeah. It's a two hundred page or something. Like I mean, that. it's not a long book. Ultimately, at all. ultimately, I mean, it. I think most most people would say that the original is still the better version, but I mean. Uh, that's just because it's classic. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess but, so. I but mean, I think the, that there's the original, a lot of things in the remake that were pretty pretty good. I think so. It it, it treats her powers um, more more interestingly than I think the original did. Um, her discovering her powers earlier on and and things like that, and her powers being more um, more connected to her sexual awakening and being more obviously connected to her sexual awakening than in the original. But granted, we're talking 1976 versus 2013. Sure. You can do more. Uh, Julianne Moore, I think, is amazing. Well, I, I think, just think, I think also actress. sometimes with more more time and perspective on the subject right. that you can maybe pull out more interesting th- themes than you originally did back when they first made the movie. Um, right. So. You can do more when it comes to, I think, thematic depth. Yeah. Versus just being like a straight up horror, like fun movie that people are going to see at the multiplex in 76 sure. or the drive through in 76, as opposed to 2013 where you can say more and still be an entertaining movie. Yeah. But okay, let's move on to uh, the next one. And this is, this is one that's one of my favorites of the adaptations and coincidentally not one of Stephen King's. And uh-huh. that is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Everybody knows this movie. Yes. Even if you haven't seen it, you know You've this seen movie. images. You've seen, you know, Jack Torrance played by Jack Nicholson jumping, you know, going through a door and saying here's here's Johnny. You know the movie. Yes. You you know the quotes. Yeah. You know, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You know the twins with the tricycles. You know the car. You know the you maze. Know the music. The, the the maze, the you know, him being chased at the end. I love this movie, and I know a lot of people don't because it's actually not a great adaptation of the book, which is probably why Stephen King doesn't it's, like it. Yeah, well, he says one of the main reasons is because he he did well. First of all, he doesn't like the uh, casting of Jack Nicholson because he thinks that mm. Jack Nicholson played too many bad guys before this to be believable in the change throughout the movie. It's like you're already expecting them to be bad, so you know. right. Well, what is interesting is I mean, we could we could say this for a spotlight. But like, there's already hints that he was a bad guy even before the movie. Before yeah, movie. Like we, there's hints that he was like an abusive father already, and that just kind of gets, you know, more more built upon as the movie goes along. But when it comes to Stanley Kubrick, I think he's a master craftsman, and this film, the way he crafts it, the steady cam use that was used in this movie was one of the first times that was ever really used in a movie to to a full extent that they were building you know steady cam rigs 
for the first time that they had never used before mm-hmm. that are now used in 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 movies all the time and just it's it's a suffocating intoxicating movie that's built around a mystery it's so messed up there's there's just hallways full of blood and women, people in old, bear costumes weird looking women in bathtubs it's, naked yeah and... it's a crazy movie and, then, and this is one of the, what is interesting is there was that documentary that came out a few years ago what was it called room uh room 237 or whatever the room is in in the shining where uh, where that you know that lady in bathtub is and it's just it's a big mystery throughout the movie it's it's yeah room 237 where like apparently this movie like Stanley Kubrick was trying to hide all kinds of codes within it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like there's something that's supposed to symbolize that he shot the moon landing. Or, yeah, or that, yeah. Like this and that and the other thing. It's one of those types of types of they, movies. But I really like. Yeah, I'm. The yeah, I, I really. I mean, I go back to it every once in a while. It is a long movie, but um, I do go back to it every once in a while. And they also reference it in the recent film Ready Player One. They do a whole scene that references that. Oh yeah, yeah they did. I'm shocked they actually did yeah. that. Like just completely shocked that they were like yeah let's do it that. was pretty it's I, probably my favorite part of the movie <laughs> oh yeah um it, it coincidentally it also got a remake a television remake in 1997 it's not good which i hear is not <laughs> it's not good i've seen it it yeah yeah <laughs> I, I i was i it's it was a tv movie and apparently king loves this version more oh because it's probably a straight it's, it's more closer to hit yeah <laughs> Um, I do like the actor, the main actor that plays him, but he just it just didn't work. It just doesn't hold a candle to that that original one. Um, yeah, so right. So moving right along, uh, next is Creep Show. Stephen, have you seen Creep? I have Show? seen Creep Show. It's like a okay, anthology. So you can talk yeah, it's about an, it. it's a horror anthology. Um, if, if I'm, am I thinking of the right thing? Yeah, I'm thinking of the right thing. You're, it's either that or you're thinking of Cat's Eye. No, Cat's no, Eyes I'm a, thinking of the right uh, movie. An I'm pretty sure well. I'm thinking of the right movie. Right. Yeah, Creep Creep Show is directed by George A. Romero. Yes, yes, I've seen it. Yeah, did you know uh, Night of the Living Dead? Um, I know there was actually se- a couple of sequels, like Creep Show yeah, Two yeah. and Creep Show Three. I think um, it's based on the short stories Weeds and The Crate, but the rest of it is the, is original work written for the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen it. I, I it, I've tried to marathon a couple before I we did this episode, but I tried to watch Creepshow and I it's, didn't get a chance. It's very to. much like the Tales of the Crypt kind of style, Co- horror comedy. Like I said, it's anthology based. Um, it, I liked it okay. I mean, it, it's okay. not my favorite uh, of the of the um, of the Stephen King adaptations, but I mean, it, a lot right. of people like it. I mean, I own the movie. I got the uh, oh. it, it's an Arrow release. I'm pretty sure. Oh no oh, no no no, the, no! It's the Shout Is Factory. It? Yeah, Scream Factory. Or Scream Factory. Yeah, that's I got that release. It's in a nice box. It's uh, you know it's it's okay. It's okay. I'm jealous. <laughs> um, but moving on next is Cujo, and Cujo is the movie about the the dog. The dog that, that the, attacks the, the, this, this family. The, yeah, the, the ra- like it's not rabies. It's got some type of virus. I don't know. I don't know. I I know that they are remaking it. Yes. Yes. I mean it. It, yeah, I haven't seen the movie, although I know many people have. But I also know that they're remaking. I, I it. saw it when I was young, and I don't, I haven't seen it since, so I can't really recall it that well. But I, I know I've seen it. Um, right. So moving on to the next one is actually something I've seen, but I know Stephen hasn't, and that is the the Dead Zone, which yeah. is directed by David Cronenberg. Which is why I'm upset this, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> and this came out in 1983. But what is interesting is that you say that is that. It's 
It's so unlike David Cronenberg at that time. Yeah. He you was doing I mean? a lot of body horror and a lot of body horror and this movie doesn't really have have body horror. It's it the movie stars Christopher Walken who I think he he dies and then comes back to life. I haven't seen the movie in a couple of years, but then he gets like ESP where he can like predict things that are going to happen. Yeah. And he's trying to like prevent certain things from happening and whatnot. But yeah, Christopher Walken's really good in it. It's of course based on the novel of the same name. Um, it's it's really good. I really like the Dead Zone. God, I'm pissed I haven't um, seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's one there's one quote in it that people do all the time where where I where Christopher Walken's trying to prevent this kid from falling through some ice. That's all I'm gonna say. And he goes, "The ice is gonna break." <laughs> oh, that was a good said. impression, man. <laughs> it was the ice. Pretty good thing. It's gonna break. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah, because <laughs> you know the way he like. He, the way he, he his syllables are weird. You know what I mean? Like the way he but, the way he pronounces. But words. I have seen the television remake. Um, yeah, there was a television series. Series, yeah that that with um, An- that Anthony Michael out, Hall played him. See. I think it came out in the early two thousand. Yeah, USA put it out. Um, yeah, I, I I love the show. Um, I think it got yeah, can- it came out I think it got canceled before it really had a good ending. But I mean. Yeah, 2002 to 2007 was the series. Yeah. Um, I remember when that was series was on, because it was on the USA Network yeah. at the time. Um, yeah, I'm just looking. Yeah, cause I, and I also thought that there was a revival series or something. I don't think so. I, don't... I must have been not thinking of that, but or maybe there was a TV movie that went along with it. But I can't maybe. really I don't tell. Know. But let's move. But, but if you were okay with moving yeah. on. Because next is a film by John Carpenter, who is one of my favorites, and that is Christine. Yes. Uh, that came out the, the better same car year movie, the and Zone? we'll talk about the other car movie in a little bit. Yeah, well, well it's a, yeah, it, basically Christine is this car that is alive, essentially. Uh, yeah, yeah. And this kid, it's like his first car, and it kind of like possesses him and makes him do like evil shit, like kill all of like this, the local bullies and stuff like yeah. that. It's, and he kind of goes crazy because of it. But I think it's a. I think it's good. I really it's, enjoy it. It's a movie. pretty John cool Carpenter movie. Carpenter makes it really cool. Car- if because Carpenter's it, doing it, he, it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the music is great. The cinematography's cool. It's got that '80s vibe to it. I really dug it a lot. And it's a film that I don't think is getting a sequel. Not a sequel, but a, a remake. Or is it? Getting I, I'll something? be honest with you. I don't think I really need a remake of this one. I don't think I need because then they'll just make it like a, some modern car, and I it's gonna oh. it's gonna be shit. Yeah, it, yeah, because it's an old school muscle car. You know what I mean? Th- things that you don't. It's like a nineteen fifties, like you know, like yeah, like a big Cadillac. Like a big, you know, a big yeah. When those things were all metal and they weighed like a million pounds, yeah. and they were just like chrome. They and should all just that make it. A, they should, the new one. They should make it a DeLorean. Oh, that would be. <laughs> yeah, it's a nineteen. It's a nineteen fifty eight Plymouth Fury. Yeah, okay, that's a see. That's see, a there you go. cool there car. You go. Yeah, but it says it's actually a Plymouth Belvedere. That makes it worse. They lied. <laughs> they lied to us. Uh, but yeah, so that's Christine. Watch it if you haven't. They've recently come. I got out the 4K. Yeah. 4K edition. What's what's kind of a pain in the ass is I have the Blu-ray edition, which came out pretty soon, and that pretty or you know, before the um, the 4K, and it was like a, it was like a 4K remaster, and they and then they since put it on proper 4k which steven has which i'm jealous of <laughs> and it probably looks amazing because that bright red of that car yeah. probably looks awesome um but let's move on to uh one of steven's favorite favorite adaptations 
Uh, and that is Children of the Corn, hmm. which I'm saying that facetiously because yes, it's not. it's not good. <laughs> 1984, not, not Children of the Corn. It's, it's mostly remembered better than I think the actual movie is. You know what yeah, I mean? Like it, when people reference Children of the Corn, they're like, oh, this kid is like Children of the Corn because he's like yeah. you know, an evil bratty kid or something like that. But the movie itself is not that great, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I would have to agree. It's 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 boring. <laughs> it's boring as hell. It's it's kind of it's kind of interesting because like these kids are kind of like I don't know that, they, like, that one that one could be thing. maybe they need to do a remake of that one. I you know they've done sequels. Yeah, like, I know sequels they've done up sequels. Up the wazoo for that one. God, the first yeah. movie is. I don't know how it yeah, got sequels. Not one of my favorite. It's more. I think that one's more of a cult hit. Yeah. I don't mind it. I think I've watched it's it. It's gotten re released. It got the I think it got an arrow release. I think it Pretty did. sure it did, yeah. Because yeah. it's it's that type of movie where it's like a cult yeah. horror movie. And and these movies are, are horror movies, but don't think of them as horror movies with like a modern sensibility, because they're they're not. You know what I mean? Because Stephen King's horror it's 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 not like to me it's not scary scary. It's more creepy and involved and kind of engrossing than I think it is like a little, jump out little, little more psychological. A little more stuff. psychological. It's yeah, more psychological. Typically about like, how uh, drama from early life affects you later, or you know. Yeah, and it, it's also like sometimes like the protagonist can then become the antagonist, yeah. and it's very interesting how like your main character, someone you're not supposed to root for, like like in Carrie, like. Like, like, I always see these memes where, like, you know, where, like, you know, people are, like, rooting for Carrie to, like, kill all those yeah. kids who were laughing at her or treating her like garbage because they were, because they were terrible, terrible teenagers. And then it's like, but are you supposed to, like, root on someone who's committing mass murder and destroying a whole town? You know what I mean? Things like yeah. that. It's like, it's, he's playing with a lot of those, you know, gray morals and things like that, which I, which I really like. But moving on from Children of the Corn is Firestarter. Starring not, a not very one I've young, seen, but it's similar to that one I've seen too. It is not good. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched it like I watched it leading up to this, and it's very dull. Glad movie. I didn't buy it because it's it's got a it's got oh, a Screen Factory release. It's got a Screen Factory release too, and I thought of buying it, and I was like, I'm glad ah, I didn't. I'll watch. Now I'll stream it. I'll, I'll I'll find it streaming somewhere. Um, it's not great because like. The interaction with the actors and it's not very good. The concept of it, I find it fascinating, but just like the execution and just the stories told to us in such a dull way. And for some reason, they decided to give George C. Scott a ponytail in the movie. <laughs> and I'm like, it's like well, seventy something it year. Yeah, it's like seventy something Tony, like us, uh, George C. Scott, just like chewing up scenery. Like he thinks he's in like a great movie. Like he's really giving it his all. And I'm like. Man, this is not the movie where you really yeah. should be trying this hard. It really isn't. Um, what's his face is also in the movie as well. Martin Sheen. Oh Jesus. Martin Sheen is in the movie. What is interesting is that Burt Lancaster was supposed to play the Martin Sheen role in this movie, but they had to recast because I think Burt Lancaster had surgery or something like that. Um, but it wasn't that great of a role to begin with. But a young Drew Barrymore is kind of the main protagonist. She has pyro pyrokinesis powers where she can set things on yeah. fire with her mind, which are honestly the coolest parts of the movie is when she's kind of like setting things and people on fire and just destroying stuff. Yeah. But it's a very small part of a movie with a rather dull plot surrounding it. Um, but next one, next one, I think we can move on. Cat's Eye, 1985. I it. it's, it's an anthology film. Uh, I think part of it also stars Drew Barrymore. I haven't seen it. 
Um, Steven hasn't seen it, so we'll just move on. Silver Bullet, haven't which seen is it. something I haven't seen. It. <laughs> haven't seen. Also 1985, but now we're on 1986, which we get we get a really bad movie in my opinion, <laughs> and a great all time movie in the other one. First up is the bad one in my opinion, Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, not really great. And I can understand why this is a cult hit, and I can understand why people like it because it's goofy and dumb and like weird. <laughs> and it's got Amelia Estevez. And Emilio's in it. Uh, Pat Hingle is in it, who was like, who was in um, the the Tim Burton Batman movies. Um, who else is in the movie? I don't who even cares? know. It's just, who cares? It's so, the only thing that's so interesting about it is that there's a big rig that comes to life, and it has like, it has the Green Goblin from <laughs> the, Sp- the Amazing Spider-Man comics yeah. in it. And that's kind of what this movie, I think, is mostly remembered for. Um, there's an interesting story where, like, someone found it, like, on a, I don't know if it was a, a junkyard or a pawn shop, and it was, like, kind of destroyed, and they restored it, and now it, like, it, like, goes to, like, conventions and stuff and displays it, and goes to, like, screens of the movie, displays it, and all that kind of stuff. But it, it's a, it's a, the concept of the movie is more interesting and better than the actual movie. And uh, the concept of the movie is basically, like, like the Earth is caught caught in some like alien vortex thing, <laughs> comet dust uh, nonsense, where now all like the machines are coming to life and are sentient. But mostly, what is like the main antagonist of the movie? Just a bunch of big rig trucks that are like yeah, that are just gonna it's run still kind of it still kind of sounds dumb. It, but like <laughs> but I'm watching it the whole time, and the movie's like an hour and like thirty something minutes, and I'm like. Like they're taking so long to set up the characters that when's the plot gonna kick in? Kick in, and then I realize that I'm like 50 minutes into the movie. And I'm like, oh wait a minute, this is the plot. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's just like a bunch of people stuck at a truck stop and like, and like they're trying to survive, which is kind of a cool concept. A lot of people compare it to Tremors, but Tremors is so much more entertaining and such a better movie. And and Christine is also such a better movie where a car comes to life. Um, yeah, it's and also I mean Stephen wanted me to mention this, and I think it's appropriate to mention this is the only movie that Stephen King has ever yeah. attempted to direct, and apparently he was high as a yeah the he whole was time fucking on coked up on coke because I guess it's the eighties. Well, and he he he, he battled addiction in the eighties. He did and, battle and, addiction. And, it's a serious. And then his family had an intervention, and he they got him off of it, and he's apparently been sober since. Um, yeah, so it's that's that's very important. Yeah. But it's it's. We make fun of it because, like, it looks like somebody who was high on coke made this movie. Well, I mean, the, but, look, you know, it, it's a real addiction. It's a real this problem. This isn't necessarily, you know, how it always is, but it, it, there seems to be a lot of evidence that a lot of times when authors try to, you know, direct and and write their own movies, didn't typically work out too well. Like, no. they get too close to it. They want, to, you know, they don't necessarily know how to translate it to film in the best way. So, I mean, there's, 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 you know, like perks of being a wallflower. That's maybe one of the best examples of it in the other way. Steven Chbosky. Yeah. Yeah, He's done really well at adapting his own stuff. Um, yeah, because sometimes things don't translate, and sometimes people who work in one medium can't work in another, and vice versa. And, and, and then, the, and, and then there's Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, where, where he, well, I, yeah, his movie, uh, God, that uh, shit box. Oh man, the nego- no, the, counselor, the, the counselor, the counselor, the uh, counselor. I was close. He wrote that. He um, didn't direct that, but he wrote it. And it's. I've had that movie for years, and I've not watched. Dude, it watch yet. it, and you'll throw up. <laughs> 
If you want to be sick, uh, then you'll do it. All right, speaking of something that doesn't make us sick, because let's move on from Maximum Overdrive, because if you want to watch it, watch it, but go into it knowing that it's not great. Next is probably an all-time great film, and that is also came out in 1986, and that is Stand By Me, directed by Rob Reiner. Which is a, regu- and it's based on the a regular uh, kind of yeah. uh, adapter of his work. Yeah, and it's based on the novella, The Body, which is, you know, it's a novella, it, for those of you not in the literary world, is basically like a, a short novel. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not long enough to be a novel, but it's not, but it's longer than a short story. Yeah. And it's it's that middle ground, but it's, it's, it's Stand By Me, and this movie, I think, it's, it's an all-time great. It really is. It holds up today as well as it did great back cast, when it came out. Great cast, got your River Phoenix, mm. uh, Corey Feldman, yeah, and then uh, you um, had Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> oh yeah, he's always playing a, ba- a bad yeah. guy back in the day. Just, like that was just his thing. Uh, Will Wheaton is in it, who was on Star Trek. Uh, Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a really it's great, a great film. coming of coming age, of age film. Yeah. yeah, coming of age film. One of the best all time coming of age films, and it's just just astonishingly well done. Like it it it's it's quintessential Stephen King for a lot of things. Like it's got a young cast. Of characters, they're growing up in an in an interesting time, and they're just kind of dealing with things that are rather above their age. You know, some are dealing with parental issues at home and things like that. It's it's a really deep, deep. Great I mean, it's film. very. It's essentially if you know the characters from it didn't have to deal with a clown, and they went on a no. they went on a hunt for that girl that, that they were looking for in the first movie. Um, yeah, they were just dealing with like. Shitty adults. Shitty adults <laughs> and, and looking for a friend that has apparently died. Um, yeah, but it, yeah, it's right. a, it's very much the the heart of what Stephen King does is these stories of kids and you know misfits and having them deal right. with adult things. Um, but yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah. Well, next. Okay. So next up is Creep Show Two. We kind of covered that when yeah, we talked yeah. about Creep Show. Um, so we can kind of skip over Creepshow 2. But in the same year of 1987, the year of my birth, was The Running Man. Running Man. Arnold. Oh, my goodness. It's an Arnold movie from Arnold. the 80s that is based on a Stephen King um, work. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen this movie. Oh, I've seen it. I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically like The, hun- oh, it's, yeah, it's like yeah, the Hunger yeah, Games. It's The Hunger Games. Yeah, it's Hunger Games. Yeah, it's like a you know, television show that puts criminals... Uh, you know, uh, into these games for to, to to stay alive. You know, like Battle. Yeah, to the... Arnold has like the best lines in this movie <laughs> as he did back in the day. I used to have one of them memorized. It's the one where he, like said the dude offers him a contract and he tells him that he's gonna like ram it down his throat, out of his spine, and stuff like that. It's a great. My quote. favorite. I'm... Okay, this is a, this oh, is a side great. thing, but my favorite Arnold quote is from uh, one of my favorites is from uh, Last Action Hero. Of course, and he's like, "You want to be a farmer." Here's a couple acres, and he like kicks the dude and like flies in there. <laughs> classic, classic, classic. But yeah, the Running Man is like a dystopian world where like like criminals are put in like this. It's apparently like, set in the time game of, that show. we're in now. It's 2017 to 2019. Yeah. Area. Have you ever watched reality TV? It's essentially the same yes, thing, yes. where people are pitted against each other for survival. So this is real, and they kill. I know, the- but what's cr- What's crazy that this movie was like years ahead of its time when it came to its concept yeah. of like people just 
wanting to watch other people, people kill get each killed. other on television <laughs> for entertainment. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's way ahead of Battle Royale. It's way ahead of the Hunger Games. It's way ahead of like, you know, international television consumption like the Truman Show or something yeah. like that. Um, so the movie it, it's it's stuck in its time, but I think it's still a pretty it's decent, decent flick. Modern, yeah. you know, for for most part. Uh, next is a, is a film. Next is 1989, and that is Pet Cemetery, another kind of like seminal it. work. Um, this is the original, which I haven't seen, but I have seen the the, the readaptation, readaptation that just came out this it. year. Remake, readaptation, yeah. whatever. So, Stephen, you've seen the original. How is the original? I, I, I like the original. I mean, it's, it's it might be a little bit nostalgic for me, but but I really enjoy the original. Um, you had a uh, Herman Monster in the movie. Nice. <laughs> um, I can't think of the actor's name, but um, he's in it. And you had um, and the kid is just so creepy in that movie. Uh, he he eventually would be in Kindergarten Cop. Um, the kid that's like always oh, like penises, girls like vaginas. Yeah, oh, that kid? that kid! Yes, I know yeah, that kid. He, he's he was in a bunch of stuff movie. back in that time. But yeah, I, I enjoyed yeah, the original. It, the new one is fine. It, it just doesn't really do enough different for me to, you know, enjoy it. You know. Yeah, I wasn't. I'll, I'll be honest. I wasn't a fan of the of the remake that just came out. 2019 it just came out a few months ago. Um, not a, I wasn't and a big for, fan yeah, of it. Yeah, for somebody it, that hasn't seen the original, you didn't even really, you didn't have to compare it to anything. It, it's the same story. It's, it's not like it, it you know, it, for those of you that don't know, like a child dies and the father buries him in a pet cemetery where things come back to life, but it doesn't come back, you know, things don't come back, uh, normal. They're basically zombies. Yeah, they come zombies, back as zombies, yeah, yeah. essentially. That's basically the premise. And there's always an old creepy guy that's like, hey, you shouldn't you know, do you know. that. Yeah, Even you though I told it, you about sh- it and made you. Yeah, it was really like the one, yeah, the John Lithgow played the old man. The, the Fred Gwynn is the actor you were thinking about, Herman Munster. And yeah. that was actually one of his last roles. That and um, my cousin Vinny yeah, was yeah. one of his last roles before he passed. And he. And so, but like John Lithgow's like 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 a minute after he showed him, he was like, oh, you know what? I probably shouldn't have showed you. Shouldn't yeah, you shouldn't have done that. It's like, God, you just got him a maybe fucking you made idiot. that decision yesterday. It, Jesus, it's really, it's really kind of forced in that way. Um, yeah, but the new one had a had a decent cast in it. Yeah, I think yeah, good Jason cast. Jason Clark was in yeah. it. Yeah, but if the story's just not there, and I think it kind of also missed the point. I I heard of like the book and dealing with. Uh, the sincerity of dealing with grief and grie- grieving parents and things like that, um, which I think is what the book was supposed to, to what did. did. I was going to say supposed to do, but I think did. But yeah, so that's Pet Cemetery that closes out the 1980s, and then we get into the 90s, which is very interesting. Uh, we start off first with Graveyard Shift, which I've never, never I've seen never it. seen. Uh, but that same year, 1990, we got Misery, also Love directed it. by Rob Reiner. And that movie won Kathy Bates an Oscar, yeah, uh, because she plays um, the main main antagonist in that movie, and that lady is frightening. Freaky. And yet again, it's really, really fascinating how ahead of the time this movie is when it comes to toxic fandom yeah. and the obsessiveness of fandom and how the lengths in which people will go because of their fandom and the things they will do, the evil things they yeah. will do. And if you just go on Twitter now and you talk about uh, Marvel movies, DC movies, Star Wars, uh, any type of sports teams, anything like that, you will see uh, a Kathy Bates, Annie Wilkes uh, 
just parade of people just beating up other people. And, <laughs> it's just it's crazy. And, and honestly, I, I think that this movie kind of set a uh, set a a a big you know it set off a chain of events of a lot of movies mm. that kind of copy it. I mean, you okay. you could maybe say that uh, Fatal Attraction maybe did it first, maybe. Yeah, you know, but well, that was more like a, like a spurned lover obsessive. Well, that, thing. that but yeah, this just was the, like just the fandom, obsessive like, person, you know, because they did like the fan. You know, remember the fan with uh, oh wow, De Niro yeah. and uh, wait, was it Wesley Snipes? Let me look that up. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking. Yeah. Yes, and 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 you know that's basically kind of a loose remake of of that. That was 1996. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's a, a, a lot. You know, that movie Fear. With Mark Wahlberg, mm. it's kind of a you know yeah. obsessive boyfriend kind of. You know. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of that had. I mean, this is gonna. Well, I mean, we are we are on Cinema Discovery Project. If you really want to go back in time and you go to an old school movie that is dealing with that same thing, uh, look at Vertigo. Oh yeah, Hitchcock's yeah. Vertigo. Jimmy Stewart's character in that movie gets obsessed with the um, with the character that is portrayed by. Um, uh, Kim Novak, and so much to the point where he like dresses up another woman in the same clothing style that the Kim mm-hmm. Novak character um, wore, and he be it's that level of obsession. It's just it, it's controlling, and it's it's a, it's a form of psychosis. Yeah. It really is, but it can turn deadly in the sense in, in in a lot of cases. And we see this, like, we see this thing now, like, how many times celebrities have to have restraining orders against somebody. Or they have or a stalker, hear, yeah, they have a stalker. Yeah, we hear crazy stories of stalkers that's showing up to, like, where they're filming their TV show or movie and are trying to get to, get to them and whatnot. It's, it's, it's crazy like that. But Misery stars Kathy Bates as well as James Caan, who's, like, this really popular author, and he's writing... He's writing this book and he gets trapped in like. It's also, yeah, yeah, he gets trapped and she like nurses him. Yeah, he gets in a car wreck. Uber fan. Car wreck during a snowstorm and then she brings him in and takes care of him and yeah. And things go. And one of the main tropes of a Stephen King story is the main character. A lot of times is a writer. Or an art, or an artist well, I mean, of some kind. Yeah. Well, write what you know, and I guess he knows about being an author. And what is the irony is, is that I don't know if the irony is the right word is that. He's like a super mega famous author yeah. too, and he's writing about that same type of person. Yeah. Maybe he's just like writing his own fear, like that, like that would have yeah. that would happen to him at some point. But yeah. moving on from misery, because I'm sure many of you know about misery, and if you don't, uh, definitely it's watch got it because it's a really, really good. <laughs> it does have a Scream Factory edition as well, um, which is much better than the original Blu-ray. But next is the Lawnmower Man in 1992. Which I never saw. It's loosely based on a short story it. by the same name. I've heard of it. No, but I think you can understand. <laughs> it's probably about a man <laughs> as with a lawnmower. <laughs> Something to do with killing and lawnmowers. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Next is The Dark Half, which came out in 1993. Never seen it. Um, it's, it's directed by George A. Romero, based on the novel of the same name. I kind of really want to see it because I think it deals with like split personalities. And very much, um, um, what's his name? Bates. Uh, Norman Bates. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, Needful Things also came out in 1993, yeah. which I have not seen. Um, next, 1994. This is the big one. This <laughs> may be the the biggest one we could talk about. That is The Shawshank Redemption. Woo! Frank Darabont. Novella. Uh, based on the novella Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. 
Um, yeah, this movie's an all-time classic masterpiece of a movie. Yeah. It's played on cable regularly yeah. to the point where it's probably playing right now on some yes, cable it's network somewhere. AMC on the right now. <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> it's probably one of the most rewatched movies of the 20th century, easily. Yeah. It's it's an amazing movie. It starring Morgan Freeman, Tim Robbins. Um, basically, Tim Robbins is a prisoner in Shawshank Prison, prison, and it's just him, like, like dealing with that, and his friend Red, who's portrayed by Morgan Freeman. And yeah, we don't want to yeah, we don't, we don't so want to give away it. the movie if you haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, it just it's 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 fantastic. It's it's, it's a movie that it, you would you, you wouldn't know it was Stephen King unless you saw his name pop up on the thing. Yeah, it's 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 not a horror. It's not a horror related. All of these things that we've like kind of talked about so far are kind of horror related. This is horrific in another it's, sense. It's horrific in another sense, with, but it's not a straight horror with, movie. Yeah, you're dealing with prison life and th- the things that go along with that. You know, the trauma and things like that. But yeah, Shawshank's an all timer. That's something we're gonna save for to discuss. Yeah, we'll have a spotlight, spotlight eventually for that. Yeah. Next is The Mangler, Never which seen is directed it. by Toby Hooper, ninety five. Never Toby seen Hooper it. then. Uh, yeah, I know. He was doing something past um, past uh, Texas Chainsaw, and oh, but what was that movie that killed his career? Oh, uh, yeah. oh and I, I actually own it. <laughs> no, he no. didn't do that movie. Never mind. I was kidding. No, no, no. I actually, I've seen. I own the Scream Factory release of it, and it's um, oh man, it's the movie with uh, Life Force. Life, Life Force, Force is the yeah. movie that came out in '85 and kind of killed his career. Um, but granted, after that, he directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, but. Anything past that, we're not looking good here. <laughs> we're looking at a lot of yeah, TV Toby, stuff. Yeah, Toby. Sorry, Toby. And then, and the Mangler. Uh, rest in peace, Toby Hooper, because I believe he has passed. Yes, he has. Yeah, he died. He, yeah, I was gonna say he died a couple years ago. Yeah, I know. He may or may not have directed. Um, Gremlins. Not Gremlins. Not Gremlins. The other one. Um, oh, I'm Poltergeist. sorry, Poltergeist. Yeah, I don't know why. I yeah, but, uh, I think, was it Joe Dante who directed? Joe Dante. Yeah. Gremlins? Yeah. Yeah, all those guys were whatever. They're the same, all same guys. But anywho, <laughs> moving on from Toby Hooper's The Mangler, we have Dolores Claiborne, which is a film directed by Taylor Hackford, based on the novel of the same name. No shock there. Uh, this movie also stars um, Kathy Bates, and it's a movie I I wanted to see before, beforehand, um, before this podcast, but I didn't get a chance to. And it's a movie that's more of a drama. It's based off. Um, the plot is centered around a strained relationship between a mother and her daughter, and largely through, to, uh, told through flashbacks. Um, that's just me reading the synopsis here because I haven't seen it, but it reminds me a lot of uh, Autumn Sonata, mm-hmm. uh, Ingmar Bergman's film from the 70s, which kind of revolved around a mother-daughter relationship. Amazing all-time movie. But moving on, we have Thinner. I, I, I kind of um, like this movie, actually. Oh, you've seen yeah, it? Yeah, I've seen so it. So you can talk it, yeah. about it. I know the, I know the isn't the, uh, what's the, what's the... Uh... Ba- basically, a man yeah, what's it, what's uh, runs about? into a gypsy, and, you know, you know, of course, what you know what happens when you piss off a gypsy woman, you know, she puts a curse on you, and, it, and yeah, so basically, he slowly gets skinnier and skinnier until he dies. Oh, well, that's a bummer. Yeah, it's pretty rough, but I kind of like it. I don't know why. I, I It's one of the movies that I, I saw as a kid, and, uh... I was just always into it. I, I'd like to own it again, but it's it, it, like the Blu-ray is like, I think, going out of print, and it's like really expensive Ooh. online. I don't know. That was the last that time sucks. I saw it, at least. But, um, yeah. Okay. So that's the that's thinner. And next is Night Flyer, The Night Flyer, 97, um, which I've never seen. Yeah. Um, have you seen it? No. Yeah. Okay, so 
After that is Apt Pupil, which was directed by Brian Singer. Yeah, I've heard of it. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure this is the movie he did after Usual Suspects. Um, yeah, and I've heard of Apt Pupil. Um, let's see, fictional story of a high school student Todd Bowden, uh, played by Brad Renfro. Brad Renfro passed like I committed suicide I think years ago. Who discovers a fugitive, a fugitive Nazi war criminal, hey now, hmm. living in his neighborhood under a pseudonym, and interesting, interesting. Okay. Right. Apt pupil. I'm, yeah. I'm curious. Apt pupil. I just want to mention that because I know people have seen Apt pupil, and want us to talk That's... about it. But next is a movie that I think people definitely know. It's another Frank Darabont film, and that is The Green Mile. Yes. Um, I watched this movie way too young and it traumatized me because <laughs> I think I watched it in like 2000 when I was like 13. You know was what I mean? Was it the scene with the flies coming out of his mouth? No, it, it, that wasn't it. It was just the whole, like the ending is really rough. It is. You know, it's pretty, pretty like gut-wrenching. like 13 and it's, I don't want to say anything, but there's a lot of moments in that movie I think that are gut-wrenching. There's, a, there's just a, there's just like a, go. they, he does, Frank Darabont did such a good job of, uh, capturing that time and, and it just feels mm. gr- like just everything's just feels sweaty and just yeah it's a very gross looking movie from it just a, feels from an just aesthetic. thinking about it and sam rockwell's performance yeah that's sam rockwell that was the first time i had really seen sam rockwell act and his performance is really billy the kid fantastic billy the kid. yeah his performance is great this film also stars tom hanks as well as the late David, uh, Michael Clark Duncan David, is in it. David Morris. David Morris is in it. Um, it's a really interesting movie. It's an emotional movie. It's a long movie. Um, it, it, it's it, I, it's one that I haven't been able to rewatch since really? then. But I, I just have, I own it too. I own it's another it. one that gets Digi played book. a lot on TV. It does get played a lot on TV, and I can't watch because I'm so <laughs> just so traumatized by it. It's so damn sad. I think it's a pretty sad. Uh, yeah, it's, it's. And there's a lot of there's a lot of biblical allegories within it. Um, John Coffey is Michael Clark Duncan's character's name. You know, is Jesus his, Christ. Um, yeah, his his initials are JC, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, but Tom Hanks is an all time yeah, actor. Yeah, he's, he's great. He's um America's dad. Yes. Um, Next is 2001, and that is Hearts in Atlantis, starring Anthony Hopkins. And I haven't seen this movie probably since 2002. I haven't seen so it. So I've seen it, and I can't remember it. Like, I I don't even want to talk about it because I can't remember what's going on. All I know is I think Anthony Hopkins' character has, like, a relationship with this, with this young boy, like a friendship mentorish relationship, and I think he's... He's like on the run from criminals or the mob or something like that, and he's kind of like hiding out. It's a very interesting movie. Um, I thought I had the DVD, but I can't remember if I do. And if I do, it's someplace. That's the problem with having such know. a large movie collection. Yeah, that really is because I. It was one of the things I probably bought when some place was going out of business, and I just don't know where it is. But I also I see the book all the time at used bookstores like people just don't want it so they're just giving away like big giant hardcover Stephen King books at every used bookstore I go to but uh, yeah that's Hearts of Atlantis if you're interested in it I would say watch it um, it's based on the novella uh, Low Men in Yellow Coats very interesting so next up 2003 we have Julie Ganapathy 
which based on the novel based on the novel Misery. Boy, this, now we're getting confused. Now I'm getting confused. Uh, yeah, Wait, what? yeah, that I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. Um, let's see, <laughs> it's an Indian psychological thriller uh, directed by Balu Mahandra. <laughs> it's an adaptation of Stephen King's uh, novel. Oh, it's an Indian. It's an Indian version of, of Stephen Misery. King's novel. Yeah, it really it is. So very interesting. So I probably haven't seen that one. <laughs> no, I can't say I have. I'm just learning about it now. Um, also, that year is Dreamcatcher. Yeah. Um, a film that I, I directed by Lawrence Kasdan, um, who was very involved in Star Emperor, Wars, Empire um, Strikes Back, yeah. Empire Strikes Back. But he also did Solo. Um, a, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, no, he wrote he wrote that screenplay, but he he's also oh, I mean uh, the Big Chill and. The Big Chill. That was the movie I was yeah, looking he's for. Yeah, he's done. He's done a few movies. Uh, yeah, The Big Chill because it, it has a Criterion release. That's why he I did another one chill. with William Hurt too. I think in the nineties, and I'm like completely blanking. Let's it's like see, the accidental accidental tourist, or something. I think was the movie. Oh boy, he's got more writing credits than he has directing credits. Is that right? Please be right. Accidental oh, tourist. Oh man, the accidental tourist. Wow, oh, that's a deep, deep damn, cut. Stephen. Yeah, he did Body Heat, yeah, The Body Big Heat. Chill, Silverado. He did Wyatt Earp yeah. in 1994, a Western. Um, that came out, what, like, was it the same year or a couple of years after Tombstone? Um, but also had Wyatt which, you know, Kevin Costner. movies are about yeah. Wyatt Earp. Um, yeah, he did Dreamcatcher. Uh, yeah. Dreamcatcher, so, eh, it's okay. I remember seeing it when I was a kid. It, did you see it? I didn't. I, yeah, I I've not seen it. it. It's, it's it's a long movie. It's okay. It was like two hours and thirteen minute runtime, and I saw that and I was like, really? It's okay. Okay. It's okay. And I I don't mind long movies, but I it's it it's not it's not one of his uh, it's, Stephen King you know, adaptations. Great Stephen King adaptation. Yeah, I mean it's That's it's one saying. of the movies where you're it's stuck in the snow for the whole. It's kind of oh. makes you kind of reminiscent of the thing. Um, Oh, okay. But it's it's not as good. No. Okay. So let's move on to 2004, uh, where we have Secret Window, directed by David Kep. Which, I, which based I, on honestly, Leonardo. I kind of like it. Um, I've never, I've, I remember when it came out, yeah. because right around that time, because it's moved with Johnny Depp, right? Yeah, Johnny Depp plays this uh, writer, of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Shocker. he's out in the woods, and he's... Uh, had just got, I think, gotten divorced, or you know, he apparently his he's not with his wife anymore. He's just writing, he's writing in the in the woods, working on his next book or something. And then this guy played by uh, John Turturro uh, shows up and it says that he stole his story that he plagiarized, and Uh-oh. um and so this guy just keeps coming back. He keeps telling him to go away. And I don't want to give anything anything away, but. I, I I honestly kind of like this one. I thought it was an you know small. It's a small movie, isn't set in many locations, and I I enjoyed that movie. Um, so yeah, yeah. I remember because it came out around the same time as um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, it was a big Johnny Pearl. Depp uh, time. But that's when Johnny Depp was having a, not a resurgence, it's but the he biggest was time to blow of his career. Big. Yeah, he was getting mainstream. He was starting to blow up real big back in two thousand four yeah. around that time. And it kind of propelled him to even the, like superstardom, yeah, and to the point where you know we know him now because of it. I mean, he's kind of now down. He's down now, but he was big once. But I don't know. I know David Kep because David Kep is most known for uh, writing screenplays. He's yeah for Harry lot. Potter. He's got, 30, and he's got thirty-four like credits. He did a uh, Premium Rush. 
Yeah, <laughs> not the best. I was gonna, I was gonna say more of his his highlights were like Panic Room and Spider Man, and like um, Jurassic Park, you know, things like that. But you had to go. Hey, look, <laughs> there's rush. nothing wrong with Premium Rush. <laughs> and he also I just did Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. He also did The Mummy with Tom Cruise. Why don't we bring out all the big hits? <laughs> okay, well that one uh, maybe not that. One. Yeah, uh, he also did like Angels and Demons, War of the Worlds, the, the um, Steven Spielberg. Very, movie. very prolific screenwriter. Uh, Steven, this may not be the best one to bring up. Uh, Indiana Jones should, and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. You should probably just stop. stop. <laughs> we, we're going to stop on that low note. Yeah. Um, let's move on to what came out the, after that. Um, also in 2004 was a movie called Riding the Bull. Riding the Bullet. Yeah, I haven't which seen is that one. something I've never seen. Next, uh, so let's move on. Uh, 2007 is a movie I just watched the other night, and that is 1408. Mm. Um, a movie that is um, directed by Mikhail Hafstrom. Um, I had to lean into the microphone for that one, Hafstrom. <laughs> we got Sam Jackson, based on the John short Cusack. Story of his name. Yeah, John Cusack, where basically John Cusack is this guy who, he's a writer, shocker here, and he, uh, he like writes, I think he writes like, he goes around to like all these haunted places. Yeah, he's like he's like, like a paranormal investigator of sorts. Kind of, but he's also like writes like stories based off of like his experiences and things yeah. like that and whatnot. But he goes to this room called fourteen the, in fourteen oh eight at this hotel called like the Dolphin or something like that, the Blue Dolphin. I forgot. Um, but and anywho, the place is haunted, and he just goes on this crazy, wild, you know, psychological effed up ride in the room fourteen oh eight. And it's it's decent. A lot of the um, special effects weren't really great apparently in 2007. <laughs> they really don't hold up. Um, but apparently, this what I found most interesting about this movie is they shot four different endings, including the theatrical ending. Yeah, and they're all different because apparently, the ending of the short story by Stephen King is really ambiguous. Um, what is interesting is that all the four endings that they shot aren't the ending that he had in the short story. Yeah. So they kind of just made shit up, which they Because they don't do think that situations. the audience, they want to, they want to, but they think the audience just wants a bow in the end. Yeah. It's like, it's like they have like a positive ending and a negative ending <laughs> and then a different ending and that ending. It's like, oh, okay. But anywho, I remember two, 2007, John Cusack was still a relatively was, big Yeah, name. was he? His, I'll say this, his name isn't as big as it was back then. Um, he hasn't really done a lot in like the last. Oh boy, he did. He did love and mercy. He did love and. He did love and mercy. That was kind of the highlight, and that was 2014. Yeah. Um. So he hasn't really done anything. He's kind of sticking in the indie realm right now. He's not as big of a star as he used to be, and I think people are more remembering him for his older work, things like High Fidelity and Say Anything and all those types of stuff. I've always liked John Cusack and yeah. Joan Cusack. Um. So. It's an okay movie, in my opinion. It's not great. But next is a movie I think is kind of underrated, and it's another Frank Darabont Stephen King adaptation Came in, coming out in 2007. That is The Mist. Yes. I like it. And it's also a novella. And The Mist is really good. Have you ever watched, the, have you ever watched it in black and white? No, because I only had the DVD edition, yeah. and I don't think the DVD edition has... A black and white version. Which, of course, you could just change the, the color way. on your TV, but I mean... Oh, shock. Yeah, I know. You but, really but, can. But, but, I mean, yeah, I, I, black and white version been, is better. I've been wanting to upgrade that DVD to Blu-ray for, like, ever, and I just haven't. Yeah. And I've... Not that I haven't come across it, because I have, but, yeah, this movie stars Tom Jane, yeah. who, at the time, was 
his career was starting to pick up. He had the he, had the, really he did the was. Punisher and the Punisher was, he was the Punisher. Yeah, and he was also doing a bunch of things. At he the was time. doing. He was on that show Hung. Yeah, well, that was after. That was <laughs> that was way after where. Yeah, uh, Hung was in two thousand and nine. So yeah, it was around that time. Yeah. You were right. You were yeah. right. He was in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Remember that? Yeah, he had one scene. scene. Yeah, he had one scene. Uh, he was in The Mist. He was in Medium. The Punisher. Um, he actually he was in Dreamcatcher. Coincidentally, um, okay. He was in the movie The Sweetest Thing. Yeah, he he was on the rise, and he's never like kind of hit. Nah, he never really mainstream. hit it. Yeah, he he shows up in a movie every once in a while. Yeah, I'm just looking at. He his was in another adaptation later. He's in that Gerald or not Gerald's game, but he's in that one. Is that uh, 1922? Yeah, 1922. Yes. Yeah. But um yeah, he's in that. But yeah, that so he's in this movie, and this movie is fascinating because it's all it's all set in one location, and basically what happens is this mist just occurs, like just shows up, and there's like creatures in the mist, and people are trying to survive. It's kind of very similar. Kind of, to kind of like, got some religious overtones. It's it, good. Yeah, there's like a real crazy religious lady in who thinks it's like the end times. I yeah. believe or it's got religious like stuff that. in there. You know. Um, you know, I, you could say that this very much influences Stranger Things a lot. Oh yeah, definitely the creature design. Um, definitely the creature design and, and, and stuff like I that. I think that the most interesting about it, Stephen King loves this adaptation, but the interesting mm. thing is, is the ending is different than his his ending. The ending in right. the movie is very um crazy and anticlimactic, and and um, which I love it. I love the ending of this movie. Um. It's it's got some balls. It's to got it. some balls, and I'm saying, yeah. and I'm not saying that as a gender specific thing. <laughs> I'm just saying that it's got some gumption. Yeah, it's got some riskiness in it. This was also turned into a TV series. Yeah, I haven't seen called it. the Mist that came out in 2017. Apparently, it was terrible. Yeah, apparently, it was really bad. <laughs> uh, it was on Spike TV of all places. Weird. Yeah, it looks like Spike TV. It was done by Dimension Television. Yeah, I'm just. Uh, yeah, they were formerly uh, that. You know what Dimension Films was? Um, Miramax's horror division. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and they and they and then Miramax was owned by Disney. Um, I didn't think this was still around, but yeah. Anywho, it was on Spike TV and apparently it was not very good. Um, I don't think it needs a, a TV series. It's kind of cool concept, but I don't know. I I I like the movie. They didn't know itself. Yeah. Like it has it has. It has a finite, a finite, finite, yeah, finite affinity. Aff, 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 affinity, yeah, affinity. Oh, that's fine. Really yeah, hard. it's yeah. But okay, let's move on from the mist because I know that's 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 I think that's a fan favorite. Um, next is No Smoking, which is a film I haven't seen. I haven't seen it. Um, uh, to and moving to two thousand and nine, Dolan's Cadillac. I've never seen. Nope. 2013 is when we get after that four year jump is Carrie, which we've already talked about. Yeah. 2014, you get a good marriage, and which is something I've that, never I've seen. I've seen it. It's got a oh, you have it's got a what uh, Kirsten Dunst and Ooh. Ewan McGregor, uh, not Ewan McGregor, um, um, uh, Ryan Gosling. <clears throat> uh, not this movie, isn't that the movie? Oh, I'm no. No, I'm looking at the cast now. It says Joan Allen. Oh, maybe Anthony I'm thinking. Of, I'm thinking of the wrong movie. Then. Kristen Connolly, Stephen Lang's in what it. What am I thinking of? Michael O'Malley's in it. What am I thinking Interesting. of? Interesting. No idea. But um, Kirsten Dunst just got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Good for her. She um, deserves it. Oh, I think she does deserve it. 
very underrated. Um, I think also Sofia Coppola was like did her induction or intro or something like that. I, I don't know how those things work, <laughs> but she definitely yeah she definitely deserved one. Um, but yeah, this movie is. I'm, I'm thinking of the movie All Good Things. That's what I'm thinking oh, of. Interesting. Well, a good marriage is after happy after 25 years of happy marriage. Uh, Darcy, who's portrayed by Joan Allen, discovers her husband's sinister secret and must take drastic measures to keep it from being exposed in order to protect her grown children. Sounds very dramatic. Sounds... It's a psychological thriller. Sounds a little too dramatic for me. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> Never heard of it. Let's see. Well, neither have I. Um, next is Mercy by Peter Cornwell, based on based on the short story Grandma. I've never seen this movie. No, I've never seen it. Um, See, now we're getting into the years. These were some down years. There's just stuff that we, like, like not kind of as big heavy hitters. Um, Next is 2016, and you have Cell. um, Cusack. Cusack's back, right? What's that? Isn't Cusack in that movie, too? Yeah, John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson. Again? Again, yeah, Jeez. Samuel Jackson's in it. I'm looking. Oh, Stacy Keach is in it, and a bunch of other names that I don't think people care about. But yeah, I I've seen this book. Like I've seen, like this book at, at bookstores before. Yeah, another John Cusack. But uh, Stephen, you haven't seen it, so we no, can move on. No. But now we get to do. Now we get to 2017, and this is where the Renaissance happens, in my opinion. Because 2017, you have one, two, three, four. Five Stephen King adaptations. It's a little crazy. A little crazy. Uh, first up, you have uh, not one of the better ones, but um, ambitious, <laughs> and that is The Dark Tower. Mm. This property was in development, purgatory, hell, whatever it's, you want to call and, it. And, and, and it still kind of is. It's still, and still is. Because <laughs> they're still thinking about redoing it for television. They don't know what to do with it. It's not that hard of a of a series to... It, it, it's, it needs to be a, a show. It needs to be a show. That's it's what too it big. Needs. It needs to be. It's it needs it's Stephen King's Game of Thrones, for lack of a better term. Uh, granted, it's not a medieval fantasy or things like that, but it's a serialized fantasy novel series. Well, it's a, so it's, it's a like, it's a book that connects a lot of his other previous works together. Yeah, I mean, kind of like I, Castle I, Rock, which is something else we'll talk about. This would be like this would be like doing. Like what a one movie for, I don't know Harry Potter. Yeah, one yeah, movie for Game of Thrones. Yeah. One movie for Lord of the Rings. It doesn't make any sense. The fact that this movie was even made is frustrating to me because like there's there's like there, there's so many books in the series. Well, that and the, and the cast and the, and the casting put together the was cast great. Is good. Is uh, you have uh, Idris Elba. You know, Idris Elba. Matthew McConaughey is playing the Man in Black. Um, it's not a good movie. No. It, it, it's it, not, taking away my all because I've I've read the Gunslinger, which is the first book in the series, and I'm going to read the other ones. But just taking the fact that I w- want to read the series and just I'm upset that the way in which they've adapted the series take all that out. It's still not a good no. movie. It's really not that good. It just, it just I, feels it just feels rushed. It felt extremely rushed. And it's not that it's it didn't have good concepts in it. It's just like it needed to be expansive. Yeah. It's a series, and I know for years Ron Howard 
was attached to yeah. to working on the sto- the the book series, to adapting it to a television series or a movie or something like that. It needs to be a ten episode, you know, per season series or eight episode per season series for like an HBO or a Netflix yeah. or a Hulu or whatever. Or it, and it like that's the way it is. But it's been, I think it was. I I always thought it was with Universal. Apparently, it's with Sony Pictures. So I don't know what Sony's doing these days when it comes to some type of streaming service, but you know that's on the way soon. But moving on from Dark Tower, because we don't want to dwell on that, it's a it's a post-apocalyptic, I don't even know, it's like a fantasy series. It's tough to really peg down what it's about, but it's just, just let you know that it's a long-running Stephen King novel series, basically. Uh, that it, it was actually started in the 80s, and I think went all the way up through the 2000s, and the Dark Tower is actually the name of the final book. Like the whole point of the book series is to get to this Dark Tower. Yeah. Like that's that's the whole thing. But moving on, we'll, we'll get to we're moving on to something better. Um, we'll better by at least our perspective, and that is it. Yes. Directed by Andy Muschietti, and this is of course a readaptation of the gigantic tome of a book of it, which set which is set in the um, fic- fictional main town of Derry. Where these kids have to battle a demonic clown creature that is like preying on their fears and eating them to survive. Yes. Well, he comes around every twenty-seven that, years, and yeah, there's there's other nuances to it. Yeah, but they, but you know, in, in in this adaptation, they're they're splitting it into two parts. Um, instead of kind of doing a flash forward and flashback with what they did in the in the miniseries, they're you know doing the first movie with them as kids, and then the new right. film that's coming out. This year, um, 2019, is the second part where it focuses more on them as adults. Um, right. So. And I know, Stephen, you said you've attempted to read the book. Attempted to read the book. book's fine. It, when it, when I got to the middle section, it started to feel just very just drawn out. And it just I, – I, I, looking at how much more I had to read, I was like, god damn, this is so long. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I was just like – I gave up, I think. I just – yeah. Yeah, so the uh, chapter two is coming out very, very soon, September. I'm seeing it this week. It comes out this week. Oh, yeah, it comes out this week, which is, let's see, tomorrow. The 6th is when. 6th, yeah, I'm trying to do the math on that. The 6th, it's coming out September 6th, 2019. The, uh, I guess you can say chapter one came out in 2017, and this movie was a big, big hit. Big hit. Uh, Big hit, like people went went there and drove to see it. highest rated rated R movie. Highest grossing. Yeah, and it was also like the highest grossing movie for like the month of September, yeah. I think, ever. Uh, which is, an, September is an odd month because it's usually just like layovers from the summer season that just didn't make it into the summer season and just like kind of other types of dramas that aren't good enough for the, um, you know, Oscar season, you know, yeah. Oscar award season or just award season in general. So it's kind of like a, like a, an in-between gap month basically. Uh, but, the, it was prime for it because the the cast was great. People loved getting the crap scared out of them by clown by Pennywise the clown portrayed by Bill Skarsgård, uh, who was really good in the movie. I mean, I I've done I did a review for it on my channel. I know Stevens discussed it before as well. Uh, I think it's I think it's good. I don't think it's a great great horror movie. I think it's entertaining. I, I think the kids are fantastic. Yeah, I was gonna it. say I th- I think we're in this we're in this. Uh recycling phase where the 80s is right. very popular stranger things oh, yeah stranger things had hit the hit the hit netflix around this time um so it was very that the whole kind of throwback of you know a group of you know which is something that 
you know, Stephen King had already made popular, you know, yeah, stories of kid, groups of kids getting into crazy shit. Um, and, uh, yeah. stand by me, stand by think me of like and, the Goonies and yeah. things like that. And, it, and it's been a, a resurgence of that. And, and, you know, that's what this story is, is, you know, then, you know, in the original miniseries, the story takes place in the fifties and it goes to the eighties for the adult time. But in this story, they wanted to do set in the eighties as kids. And now the new movie will be set in present day. So. Right. And this, yeah, there is a TV miniseries from 1990, which I think most famously stars, um, John Ritter, um, uh, John Ritter's in it, uh, but who plays Pennywise? It is oh, um, Tim, Curry, Tim Curry, right? Yeah. Yes, Tim Curry, who plays Pennywise. That's kind of what it, it's most famous for, because I, I hear it's not very good. I have it's, not seen it. It's pretty dated. And I kind of don't have any interest in seeing it. I, I, I discussed something earlier with Stephen before we did the podcasting, where television now is so much different than it was in the 90s, in the 80s, and the 70s, when it came to television miniseries, television movies, when it came to, like, production and, like, you know, quality behind them, it's really, really, like, like night and day. Yeah. Like, you, you it, it just, like, remember we talked about, like, how, you know, TV is not the same as it was back then, and it's really not because, like, you, you, you didn't get A-list stars in television back in the day like you do now. You know what I mean? That's only kind of a modern thing that we see. And these big-budgeted, modern-day television productions are only, you know, stuff we're seeing now. It's not stuff that's been in, you know, it, not the stuff that was that was back in the 70s, 80s, 90s. So that's why, like, things look dated when they come to the 90s. That's kind of the way it is. And there's a bunch of stuff that Stephen King, of, of Stephen King's, that's, that's been adapted into television projects. Yeah. And we, we didn't want to touch on too much of them. I mean, it's a big one. Salem's Lot was one of the earlier adaptations of it. You have things like the Tommyknockers, the Stand, the Langoliers. We talked about the Shining, um, Trucks, Quicksilver Highway, uh, the Carrie, the Dead Zone that Stephen talked about. They they even did another Salem's Lot. I mean, yeah. like we're, we're, they did the Children of the Corn in 2009. I mean, come on. Um, Most recently, then, they did Gerald's Game and... Most recent, yeah, but that, those are like. Well, no, is that a Gerald's film? Was that a Game film? Is, is a movie. Okay, yeah, yeah it was, it was a, movie. a movie that was on Netflix. But then you have like uh, what we're seeing now is television miniseries on streaming services. Eleven twenty two sixty three. Yeah, I, I still remember need to that see came that out a few one, years yeah. ago. I still need to. Yeah, I really want that book is gigantic. I heard as that well. was a pretty good show. Uh, Mr. Mercedes is another one. Castle Rock, which is also on Hulu, I hear is fantastic. Um, but Castle Rock is not an adaptation of a Stephen King work, but it's set within the Stephen King world, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Basically, what what it says here is, based on the eponymous fictional city and also characters created by King. Like so they so they reference like Shawshank. It's, in, like, it's I think inspired it's set, by the works of Stephen. Yeah, King. I think it's set like in the same town where like the prison of Shawshank is in the distance yeah. or something like that. You know what I mean? It's set in that in that world. Of Stephen King, but it's not based off of. It's like a shared universe. Yeah, it's like a shared, like a shared Stephen King shared universe. Yeah. But speaking of Gerald's Game that you just mentioned, that also came out in 2017, um, directed by Mike Flanagan, Andy Muschietti, Mike Flanagan. These are names now that are being uh, reoccurring. They're making a lot. Because isn't Mike like, Fla- horror stuff? Flanagan's do- is he doing Doctor Sleep? I believe he is. I think um, yeah, which is the sequel to The Shining. Yes, it's the book sequel to The Shining, yeah. I guess. 
And he also gets the movie sequel to The Shining. It you've is seen the, the teaser trailer. Yeah. They yeah. lied to us, Stephen. They lied. Those bastards. Yeah, Mike Flanagan. He's doing uh, Doctor Sleep. He did Gerald's Game. He did uh, that movie Hush, Oculus, Absentia, uh, Before I Wake. Um, yeah, and then a bunch of TV stuff here. But yeah, he's doing that. But before we get to that, 1922 also came out in 2017. Gerald's Game is really good. I really dug Gerald's yeah. Game a lot. Um, if you haven't seen it, I, it's on Netflix. If you have access to Netflix, I would recommend seeing it if you're a fan of of, of interesting horror. Uh, the movie stars, I want to get it. Yeah, Carla Gugino's in it. Bruce Greenwood is in it. Not for very long. Spoiler <laughs> alert. But um, uh, yeah, that, definitely check out Gerald's Game. But moving into 2019, because nothing, I guess 2018 was a dry year. No, we, we talked, about, we talked about the Pet Cemetery remake. We talked about Pet Cemetery. It Chapter 2 is coming out this week. Um, there's a movie called In Tall Grass that's coming out. Um, yeah, based on the novella of the same name, directed by Vince, Vincenzo um, Natalie. Sounds very Italian? Maybe. Yeah. I, don't I don't mean to be presumptuous, but yeah. Um, then Doctor Sleep by Mike Flanagan, which we've talked about. That movie stars Ewan, uh, Ewan McGregor um, as the young boy who was, you know, Jack's son in yeah. The Shining. And we, Danny. like I just said, they lied to us. Yeah, Danny. Um, they lied to us because they said, like, oh, it's not going to be a sequel to Kubrick's The Shining. It's going to be just an adaptation of the It's kind of hard. Book, it's kind of hard. Which is a sequel yeah. to the book. But it's kind of hard to do that because... The Shining is ingrained in pop culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to sell the movie better. So You're going to sell the movie better if you connect it to the original movie. You going, you really are. Despite what Stephen King may say, that movie is so much more widely known than the book, even though the book uh, I assume is also fantastic. I haven't read it yet, but I'm going to soon. But the it's interesting. I'm very curious how that's going to going to um kind of shake out because yeah. it's going to be very interesting um like do you have to go back and rewatch the shining before you see dr sleep is it going to be that integral to the, to this movie um i'm very curious about that but we have a couple of things here that are upcoming or yeah, that are coming up in the future we are getting a remake of salem's lot which i'm kind of happy about because <laughs> i hear i hear that the the tv the TV miniseries, which is three hours long from night from the late seventies, isn't that great? And also, I think Salem's Lot. I kind of wish they would just do another TV miniseries yeah. on some type of format because the book, like I said, is like six hundred and seventy pages. It's 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 a lot of pages. It's it's a big book. I may lie when I say that. Uh, hopefully, I'm not lying. Um, but it's it's a book that I think fits well now because it's a classic vampire story. Those things are always you know, are always, like, in fashion these days. They've never... Vampires kind of haven't gone out of fashion. A lot of these kind of, you know, things have been around for forever. Okay, I lied. The book is 439 pages. I went up 200. I very much lied. Good thing I look look that up before the end of this um, podcast recording. I would have had Steven just cut it out. That would have been a problem. Nope. I don't have time for that. (laughs) No (laughs) way. Uh, but yeah, so they're doing Salem's Lot, and they're doing a movie called The Long Walk, um, and they're doing a movie called From a Buick 8. What does that say? Did they already do that? It's a remake. Oh, it's a remake? I think okay. they already done that in the in the 2000s. I think you, I remember you saying that they'd done that movie before. 
Something oh, to do with Buick. I don't know. I don't think I said Buick. Ah, who cares? It's another uh, probably uh, a shitty uh, car um, horror movie. <laughs> uh, they're do and, and they're doing some TV stuff as well. Lizzie's story, The Outsider, and they're oh they are redoing The Stand. Yeah, in a TV form, uh, which is being done by CBS. I'm assuming that's going to be on their streaming Gross. service. There's no way that's going to be on Gross. their main network, which is not that's not their brand. Um, but Lizzie's story is coming out on Apple TV. Jeez, he's just spreading his and shit so around, ain't he? Yeah, I mean, I ha- there was an article I had I found the other day uh, on Facebook that was just like, here's a list of like every single streaming service and everything they offer, and like it's like thousands of things, and it's just it's just crazy. It's absolutely nuts. What is interesting? What really pissed me off is that when I went to do research for. Um, the you know this podcast episode. And I want to watch a bunch of stuff I hadn't seen. You would be surprised how little of it is actually streaming on streaming services yeah. without having you to buy or rent yeah. it. And I was like, "What? what it it's was how, really frustrating." It's how he stays it was rich, really man. Frustrating. It's how he stays and rich. And you know, you know what also goes to show, and it's gonna you know it's gonna bring us back to something we've talked about many times before. It really goes to show the value of physical media. Yep, because. That stuff doesn't like. I don't have to disappear. pay for it again if I, I own don't it. have to. If I own it, I don't have to go look for it. If I own it, I don't have to, you know, buy it or rent it again. Um, yeah, it's 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 just one of those things where, like, for especially especially for other people who are doing podcasts and having to do research like this, um, it it's kind of frustrating when you go to look for something and you end up, you know, just hitting a bunch of stop signs, yeah. basically. But, uh, so yeah. that's pretty much been everything Stephen King has adapted so far in movie form. We touched a little bit about the TV stuff. Didn't really get into it because we don't really talk too much television. Just know that his work has been abundantly adapted, probably more more so than any other author. I'm pretty sure. I didn't look up the the statistics on that, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Yeah, and um, one little tidbit uh, that I thought was interesting, something he did. Apparently he was he loved the movie Twenty Eight Days Later so much that he apparently uh, bought out a whole movie theater to watch it so that the audience members couldn't bother him when he when he watched the movie. <laughs> Brilliant! I wish I could do that. I wish I had the money to do that. Granted, if I had the money he had, I would just have a personal. I would just have a print theater. sent to my house. Yeah, I would just have a theater either at my house or I would own. I don't my know. Own I like the, I like theater. the communal experience. I would just. This is what I do. I'd hire a bunch of people that were good patrons to sit in on the movie with me you know I, it would be my friends yeah it just be, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? it would be for my friends it'd be my selected be... people and then they they know how to act in the movie and then that that'd be how it was yeah of yeah. course that'd be how it was we also have to uh, I, I we didn't bring this up when we did his, his kind of backstory but he he was hit by he had a very a bad accident in his in very his... bad accident where I be, he was hit, hit by, by a car a van or something hit by a car and almost died I think that that probably very influenced his life oh, and yeah. career. And then when um, the guy died, they took the car that hit him and they like crushed it and like made sure that so that nobody could sell it and make money off wow. of it because this is the van that hit Stephen oh, King. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. Like how crazy is that? Like how big is your celebrity where the car that hit you and almost killed you would probably go for like absurd amounts of money on some auction block somewhere 
Yeah. Now you know you're famous when that. Yeah. That's, so they had it. They had it. He had it crushed and and destroyed and yeah. So, but yeah, it, Stephen King's an interesting fella and. Uh, you know, he's into politics, he's into a lot of things, and we won't get into oh, that. Oh, yeah, he's also, he's very active on Twitter. Yeah, he hates, very he hates Trump. Uh, <laughs> he oh, he yeah, was blocked by surprise. Trump, uh, which is funny. Um, I mean, who hasn't been at this point? Yeah, I know. But we won't get into all of that. We just wanted to touch yeah, on I his know. influence on film and, and pop culture. And, uh, I'm you know, we're gonna, it seems we're going to continue to get more of his stuff. So uh, strap in and continue to uh, see all the... Stephen King stuff to come in, but I think that'll be it for this episode of the Cinema Discovery Project. Uh, where can you be found, Andrew? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Capzilla06, as well as my YouTube channel, Capzilla Productions. And you can find me on Facebook, Stephen Billings. You can find all the goodies I buy on Instagram, uh, Cinema Discovery Project. You can also find the audio for this podcast on Podbean or Apple, uh, Apple Music or Apple Podcasts. And that'll be it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and hey, keep on watching them movies. I know I will. <laughs>